lifers. It's been a while, but here I am. It's been almost a year, and I'm going to address that. We're also going to talk about uh, some COVID stuff. Um, we're going to talk about the Meettober one year later. We're back here at Meettober. We'll talk about what's changed, and we'll do a food rule, and then we're going to get out of here. So let's get into it. Where have I been? Well, I've tried to really detox from the internet. I have made everything either gone or private. I have not posted anything on in my personal Instagram in like a year and a half. I uh, the internet's just internet's just toxic. I don't want to be there. I got off Twitter. I am so much happier because of it. You just get sucked into the, the, the bullshit, frankly, and it's not worth it, fucking at all. Not worth it. Get off your phone, live your life, stop giving a crap. All the divisions out there with pol- the political polarization, and it's like either blue lives matter or black lives matter, and a mask or no mask. It's I don't believe there's a conspiracy to, you know, the, the elites aren't trying to turn the normal people against each other so they can get richer, although I think that's measurably what's happening. I don't think it's a great conspiracy theory. I think we're all just, just stupid and get sucked into this bullshit. Like, really, why the fuck do you think your opinion matters so much? Really? Everyone, I see all these people posting this crap on the internet, like, their two cents about every thing like like everything is so cut and dry and and like i want to sit down with some of these people and be like hey this isn't coming from a place of uh of, of negativity i'm not trying to be malicious i just honestly want to know why it is that you think your opinion is so special and so correct and i could only the only thing i could take away from it is that People have grown to believe that they are morally superior for having certain beliefs. That people outside of their particular social or political Overton window, everyone outside of that is just is just bad. So if you don't agree with X, Y, and Z, then you're far right. You're xenophobic. You're all those things, right? That's just how it goes, right? And the reality is, like, no. Everyone brings a different point to the table. We need to have discussions. You need to be friends with people you disagree with. And a good friend disagrees with you. A good friend, a good partner will sit there and say, you know what, Dave? You sound a little bit like an asshole right now, and you sound like you're wrong. And if I'm honest with myself, I would stop and go, hmm. Maybe I should reconsider that. I don't want to get super political, but like this is one that really irks me where it's like, oh, well, if you don't have female reproductive organs, you're not allowed to have conversations about topics that pertain to female reproductive organs, which would be the abortion conversation. And well, I mean, it takes two people to conceive a baby, right? Yes, you're carrying it, but it takes two people to happen, like both that dude and that chick need to decide, yeah, 
in the moment, in the heat of the moment, they just decide, yeah, you can come inside me. We'll deal with it later. And the big problem with that issue is the two sides of that argument aren't talking about the same human being. It's that simple. It's actually really that simple. The people on the pro-choice side are talking about the woman and they pretty much act as though the unborn baby is nothing. It doesn't matter. It's simply the woman's choice to abort and end that life before it has happened, right? And the people on the pro-choice side side are thinking specifically and only about the unborn baby. That baby doesn't have a voice. It it doesn't have someone to defend it. And they think this, you know, the person who's going to abort it is essentially ending a life, right? So the, 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 the problem in that conversation is we're not talking about the same people, even though one person's inside the other person. And if we can't have a discussion with each other, we'll never meet in the middle and and, under, and realize that it's really an amalgam of both of those people. What What is like the happy medium? Obviously, it's not abortion used as contraceptive. And obviously, it's not every, you know, no abortion, period. Like, and I'm not saying what my point is. I'm saying this is the situation. And every political situation pretty much boils, social or political situation boils down to this point. And I, I find very... Very few people that are very vocal about it are willing to give the other side the chance to make their case. They are 100% incapable of strong man, strong steel manning the opposing argument. All they can do is straw man it. And it's sad. It is really sad. And it's crazy that COVID turned into this with the mask and the vaccine thing. And it's just like, out of control seriously in some cases i cannot believe the things people say and honestly if we can go back in time i think a lot of you would would wouldn't be able to believe the things that you're saying as well it's absurd and some of the political language that has been used towards unvaccinated people is just very very vile and i hate i hate when people use throw the term nazi out there oh you got your papers it's like the nazis i don't like those uh, people using historical ter- terms when they're like very, very loosely uh, in context. It's just ridiculous. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But I don't like the path we're taking. I don't like this division. I don't like this heading toward a class system for people who are or aren't vaccinated. I don't like this follow the science that's some bullshit. You can follow science. You can believe in science. You can believe in the process of science. When you say the science, that's a little bit different. Like that's kind of like the difference between saying I believe in the God or I believe in a God. Like a huge difference. If you believe in the God, you're saying here's this very specific, you know, religious definable belief and groove and that is the one god and that's the god that matters versus you say i believe in a god like i believe in maybe there there's some sort of higher power or what that is i don't know but it seems like something right this is to go way back early in, in wrench life the difference between a ideology and a philosophy right if you say follow the science, you're saying look at these particular studies that say these particular things and that's the science and 
quote, the, the science is settled. Science is never settled, ever. There are countless things that we do now and accept now as normal that will be looked back on in 100 years as crazy and barbaric. And as much as I am a meat eater, and we're going to talk about Meat-tober later, I think it's very possible in 100 years we go back in time and, they'll, and think, guy, could you believe back then they were still eating animals? Like, it's, it's possible. I don't think we have this, the technology to recreate uh, complex proteins and uh, micronutrients that are in meat. The symbiosis is just, is just too complex, although maybe one day. I digress. This brings me to the intersection here, which I wanted to get to, between the science of food and health and the science of COVID, which is absolutely hilarious to me. I need a, glass, I need a little sip of water. Okay, it is scientifically proven that the healthier you are, the less of a risk COVID is. It has been proven over and over again, undeniably, that vitamin D has a correlation between how deadly COVID is. You get vitamin D from the sun. So what does it tell you? It tells you if you go outside, get a lot of sunlight, get exercise, and you are healthy, you are safer from COVID. And no shit. You are safer from every infectious disease. Hold on. I step back. You are much more protected from pathological illnesses when you have a strong immune system. You are safer. That's, you know, colds, viruses, etc. I think you're better safer. You're safer off from diseases too, but like some of those things get more complicated and I am not qualified to really make that claim that specific. I believe in science, not science. So if you know that if you're healthier, you're safer from COVID. Okay. So you have all these people who are overweight, who are pre-diabetic, they're fat or obese. And believe me, the threshold for obese is a lot lower than you think. So they're saying, oh, if you're unvaccinated, you're basically a piece of shit and you're a bad person because you don't believe it, believe in the science. It's like, well, the science also says if you're healthier, that's the, the, the greatest correlation. Being healthier is, I don't know the data clear enough to actually make this statement, but I'd imagine the difference between being vaccinated and being healthy has got to be at least debatable, especially because some of the vaccines are, I think is the J&J one is only like 40% effective against the Delta variant. So clearly, like what's the difference between being in good cardiovascular health and not? Is it 40% difference? I don't know that data, but I know generally the science suggests both of those things really help. So if you are unhealthy and you're like yelling at someone else for not getting a vaccine, it's like you are just the, the kettle calling the pot black. You're in a glass house and you're just throwing stones. Like, it is so frustrating to me that as someone who is healthy, who is constantly reading, constantly listening to podcasts, constantly testing new diets, constantly trying new things to be my best, and I am my best, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit with the Meat-tober, 
it frustrates me to be that kind of person and then have people who do almost nothing for their health start yelling at me being like oh well, you're gonna you know well not me but i'm saying me uh as a um, metaphor for people who aren't vaccinated and i am not going to say whether or not i'm vaccinated because i think we've been pushed into the binary of thinking that are the two distinctions and i think the science that we should follow is really more about health it's more about general physical and mental health and that's what this podcast is about and i'm sorry i've been gone for the last year guys i should have been doing more I want to tell you a story. <clears throat> Before I tell the story, I want to tell you that the the science about meat being bad for you, about saturated fat being bad for you, is incorrect. We've known it's been incorrect since the late 80s. So we are so far behind. There is so much new data emerging around food and health, and it's becoming so clear. The FDA has even changed its guidelines on eating red meat and its uh, limits on saturated fat. It's changed those things quietly. It can't admit it's wrong, so it just changed it. Look it up. The labeling has changed. I promise you it's there. If you want to learn about it, you should read Sacred Cow by Rob Wolf. Great book about sustainable cattle ranching so i'm out to eat the other day after a mountain bike ride whatever we're you know just having a beer eating tacos and uh, i said I, i'm not even sure how it came up i said i was maybe that meat tober was coming up and it's basically a month of only meat and, and this guy's like oh my god that's so bad for you i was like no it's not and yeah he was very confident in his it's not and I was like, well, let's get into it. And, you know, very quickly, I established, I really knew what I was talking about. And there's actually an interesting paradox about um, elite vegan athletes. So the issue, we, we've talked about this in the podcast earlier on, but the, the issue with vegan diets is you have to consume so many more additional carbohydrates if you're being a vegetarian to reach the same protein and micronutrient goals that you will have a surplus of fuel and a surplus of fuel will be turned into fat. If you are eating a nutrient dense diet, right? You can eat a lot less, meet all your needs. And then the fuel is just the fuel, right? I think we, we think of food as just fuel and that's not necessarily the case, right? So, so to, to step back to the paradox, if you're a endurance athlete that's, that is vegetarian, you're going to be eating a lot. You're going to be burning calories like crazy. So you're going to be burning a boatload of calories. So the additional caloric load of a vegetarian diet is not going to be detrimental to someone who is an endurance athlete. If you are a normal American on a sedentary lifestyle, a vegetarian diet is, I mean, any whole food diet is better than a the SAD diet, the standard American diet. If you are eating a vegetarian or vegan diet and it's just like processed garbage. It's processed garbage is just processed garbage. There's no way around it. But still, if you are eating even a mediocre vegetarian diet, it's better than the standard American diet because, you know, fast food is garbage. 
But like I said, you're going to consume so many more calories to try to meet your protein and micronutrient goals that you're going to carry additional weight. Your chances are you're, you're going to be malnourished. You're probably not getting enough quality protein. You're certainly not getting enough omega-3s and you will gain weight and feel like crap. So, this person is like, I think you're wrong. And I so, I so I go into this stuff. I go into the details. I go into the information. I explain why it's correct. And honestly, I give this person a lot of credit. This guy, he's an older guy. He's a great guy, super nice guy. And he's one of the people that was like, wow, you seem to know what you're talking about. And I hope maybe he went back and did some more research to, to, to fact check me because you shouldn't just assume I'm correct. But I know this info pretty well. That interaction is how interactions should go, where everyone agrees that I'm right. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, when someone says, this is wrong, and you say, no, this is right, and you're like, oh, you should listen. You should take some of that information in and maybe do a little bit of research. Because you have the world at your fingertips on this iPhone. Well, in your, this is mine, but on your iPhone. And you can look up whatever you want. And if you want, if you want to believe that the vaccine is better than um, natural antibodies. You could Google, why is the vaccine better than natural antibodies? And if you think natural antibodies are better than the vaccine, you can Google, you know, why? Why are antibodies better than the vaccine? And I promise you, you can find information on both of those things. And I also promise you, you're probably unqualified to look into that data because you could look at the headline, you could read the article, but unless you go into the paper and look at the paper where it came from, I mean, you can't be 100% sure. So we're 20 minutes in. <laughs> this is kind of complicated. But generally, to go back to the original point, you should follow and believe science. You should not believe the science. Because when I was a kid and really young, everyone thought global cooling was an issue. Now it's global warming. So if you believed the science then, instead of science generally, you'd be reluctant to swing or you might not swing your opinion at all. And then that's when you get people that argue climate change and they're like, oh, well, it's just a hoax because they used to think it was cooling and now they think it's heating. It's like, <sighs> now you're believing the science from them and you're not believing the science from now when you should just believe in science in general, where you take all the information and you try to aggregate it and come up with something that makes sense. It's called a meta-analysis. Meta-analysis, I think those are the best, to, to be honest. But I'm not a scientist, so you don't have to listen to me about science or about food or about medicine. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not anything. I'm just a guy that gives you shit and reads books and tries these things on myself and reports the data. Which brings me to the last section of this podcast. It's been a year since Meettober. Where are we at? Well, it is now the beginning of October. I've started Meettober, round two, year two, second year of Meettober. I, uh, well, let's, first I'll talk about how my life changed after Meettober, and then I'll talk about Meettober this year. So, I felt great when I was on a month of meat. Now, if we're going with the science theme, there's two factors. One, 
was it the meat or two was it strictly because i was in ketosis i have never done a ketosis diet outside of meat tober so i in theory should do a keto a 30-day keto diet with uh, all whole foods not just necessarily meat so maybe one day i'll do that and we could differentiate between the two my performance in ketosis was not the best it was really hard to get up and going normally i could hit the ground running hit the trails and just run mountain bike full power full steam no problem let's go when i was in ketosis it was tough i felt like i had maybe 60 to 75 percent power out the gate and it took a while to get it up and running because all those your blood has to flow the ketones have to get around your body and that's how it is so i think generally i probably perform better on just a low carb diet there's very very low carb high fat not zero carb so post meetober eventually i worked back into having my normal breakfast my normal wrench fist as i call it and most of my dinners were like meat-based dinners a lot of just you know a lot of burgers steaks lots of steaks and and maybe some deep green leafy vegetables but that was pretty it so pretty much it so i adjusted my whole diet to be i guess to adopt someone else's terminology it's really an animal protein based diet it's not plant-based it's animal based i get the majority of my calories through animal products and i use the plants to get micronutrient and for flavor diversity i in the last year i felt great my performance is great my recovery is great i am not riding five thousand miles a year anymore uh i'm riding significantly less probably only maybe about two thousand miles this year uh, i play a lot of disc golf which isn't that strenuous but when I do get out to ride, I have all the power I've ever had. I've all, I have all the most of the cardio I've ever had. So I've retained as I'm aging into my mid 30s. I'm retaining everything I've had while not training as hard as I did in the past, which I think supports the fact that moving to a more animal-based diet has made my body run more efficiently than it has in the past, which I think is a good thing. I'm very certain about this. I'm actually so certain about this that I would not even consider going on a plant-based diet ever again. Period. I think the the science, the, the science, I think the science and the data is so compelling on the um, superiority of animal protein over plant protein. I think it's almost silly to try to be plant-based unless you're doing it for moral reasons and then i i think that's great uh but i i think you could certainly eat a animal-based diet and take uh you know morality into consideration i just got a half a cow from a farm in the finger lakes grass-fed grass finished had a nice life lived nearby you know he had one bad day he was slaughtered and two days later he's i got 250 pounds of beef in my freezer and i'm gonna eat that for months and uh i like that it was close it wasn't trucked here from far it wasn't fed any bullshit it wasn't in, in a concentrated animal feeding operation the meat came out to be 755 a pound dollar a pound for bones dollar a pound for the suet which i'm making tallow out of so i'll have 
a ton of tallow to cook with. I won't be buying any more olive oil or avocado oil for a long time. It's great. And I have 50 pounds of bones to make bone broth, consume a little bit of that every day. It's super good for you. It's the way to go. And that brings me to this year's Meat-tober. <clears throat> so I started Meat-tober with a 60-hour fast. It actually was pretty easy. I uh, didn't do any riding or running. I played some golf. I worked, slept great, uh, no issues. I'm now four days into it. Didn't eat for the first three and a half, two and a half. I feel fine. I'm not going to log every meal last year like I did with Meattober, but I might give you an update at the end of the month. Uh, I'm just sad I can't drink beer this month because <laughs> it's a keto thing for the month. So it's Sober October, Keytober, and Meattober. All three. Let's go. And um, I love it. Your body changes when you eat more meat. When, you go, when I did a meat-based diet, I used to be skeeved out by handling meat. It doesn't bother me at all. Like, your, when you change your diet, your cravings change. Things change. Like, when I'm really hungry now, I don't think about, like, pizza anymore. I, like, think about a New York strip steak cooked to perfection. And one other benefit I think is really, really worth trying a, a ketosis, meat-tober, whole foods, real diet, is that you... Your taste gets so much more sensitive when you switch to that diet. It's unbelievable. Like all of a sudden the flavor complexity of everything is beyond what you could have ever imagined. It's wild. It's just, you should try it before you die is all I'm saying. And uh, lastly, I'll just make a couple announcements and then we'll finish up with our Michael Pollan food rule. I will say, you know, I'm busy and I haven't done as much with Wrench Life as I wanted to, but it is still very much about mental and physical health. And part of this podcast was a very uh, therapeutic thing for me to do to help try to help other people and express to you the things I have learned that helped me uh, get out of uh, wanting to die and be so depressed for so long. And so if, if you need any help, um, just reach out, honestly. If you're if you're if you're hurting, if you're not feeling so good, if you have any issues, just reach out. I I will I will give you what time I can and try to help you. Uh, I again I'm not a doctor. I have been nothing but let down with the mainstream uh, medicine paradigm. I feel like they're always wrong. They're not trying to get to the root of things. I I follow a lot of functional medicine practitioners, and I I've read uh, actually. Chris Kresser's book right here, Unconventional Medicine. And real medicine isn't trying to get to the root of your problems. They just want to stick a Band-Aid on it. And like my friend, uh, you know, Riley, he's going through a bunch of issues and, you know, they say this and that. And I'm like, well, that sounds like you have some sort of a adrenaline dump. It sounds like, you know, it could be coming from this. And and, and lo and behold, we're getting, we're, they're getting closer to figuring out. And, and I was much closer to the issue than the doctors were. They thought he had Hashimoto's, which was just ridiculous. I'm not saying I'm a doctor. I'm not trying to give you medical advice. But, if, I mean, if you're not feeling good, chances are uh, it's diet. It's lifestyle. It's diet. I think, what's that new report? It was like one in three people have an autoimmune condition now. And autoimmune conditions are caused, they're environmental. It's, it's caused by something in your environment. It is your diet. It could be the air you're breathing. It could be, you know, it could be mold in your house. 
It could be a lot of things, but it, it, it certainly has something to do with something that's going on with your life. And you can heal and repair that in a lot of cases. And honestly, most of the time, most of the time, getting better sleep, drinking enough water and filtered water and you know, making sure your air quality is good can make a, a profound, profound difference in your life. So I would start there. And uh, again, if you just need someone to talk to, send me a message. I'm here. I'll talk to you. It will be anonymous. I got you. I got such a dry mouth today. Um, yeah. So what Wrench Life is for, honestly. I mean, if I would highly recommend reading this book, The Paleo Cure by Chris Kresser. Look at this. All these bookmarks in here. I book changed my life, honestly. Everything you need to know about food. This is a great one too, The Omnivore's Dilemma. These are both fantastic books. We've talked about them on the podcast. It's a great place to start. So I got your back. If you got mine. If you have any other issues you want to talk about on Wrench Life, uh, let me know. Drop me a comment. Slide me a DM. I have no problem speaking about any political or social issue on here and I have no problem breaking down both sides of it and trying to at least put enough information on the table that it's a little easier to discern what is going on there. I'll do my homework for you. So our final segment here, Michael Palm, we're going to do a food rule. I don't remember which one I did at the last one. Um, let's see. Let's just, uh, we'll just skip it. We'll go food rule number 16 here. Buy your snacks at the farmer's market. Short and sweet right here. You'll find yourself snacking on fresh or dried fruits and nuts, real food, rather than chips and sweets. That is a short and sweet food rule. I love it. I love it. Don't snack in general. It's bad. So I'm not going to do any moments this uh, episode. We'll get into that later. Thank you for listening if you're one of the six. I mean, we got up to seven or eight listeners, and then with I not doing it for this long is very likely we have dropped way down. But anyway, if you made it this far, thank you for listening. I appreciate you. Uh, thank you for letting me have this outlet where I can talk about stuff. And I hope it's helpful. And it is. if it has been helpful, please let me know. And just try to wrench your life a little bit. One little bit at a time, every day. We can make your life better. We can make the world a better place. Thank you. Mm-hmm.